Toblerone Chocolate has a mystery hiding in plain sight as part of their logo. This is the focus group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's the focus group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Welcome to the focus group. John Nash here with my good friend and co-host Tim Bennett. Find us on Wednesdays on YouTube when we drop our video from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, then it's always available. And of course, our podcast audio drops on Saturdays. And if you go to focusgroupradio.com, you will find out about our partners and about TFG Unbuttoned, our Tuesday podcast, which is usually three stories uh, that we curate, which we, uh, we know you'll enjoy. So check that out. So Tim, we are literally, this is the, we're recording this the last day of November. We are now at the official beginning of the last month of the year. The dun, last dun, dun, month dun. of the last year. <laughs> I don't mean to be. I will say this. I was um, recently in a class, and the instructor said something about how time is flying by like super fast. It was a range of ages in the class. There was people my age, some people a little bit older, and a lot that were younger. Every single head nodded in unison. Is it, is it my imagination or is everybody experiencing things just seem like they're moving? <laughs> well, what's weird to me is the whole pandemic I was trying to, it's almost as if a lot of people also lost two years, right? Yes. So, because I was thinking, when did we, when were we last? When did our studio shut down? The 19, was it March 2019? Yeah, our last broadcast from the studio it was March was the 2019. Week, yeah, March, I think it was like March 16th or something like that, or March 19th. It was, I remember the next day was my last normal day in New York. I went to the gym, went to the, had a lunch meeting, went to the grocery store, took the train home, and then the next day, boom, it was locked down and boom. You're right. You know, I'm still mad because the train station there owes me the train ticket, or owes yeah, me for parking ticket. Remember, I told you, build me yeah, twice. I do. <laughs> then he said, get me next week. When the next week never happened. <laughs> two, two years gone by. You know, we had a part of our Thanksgiving day was Bob's niece was uh, down from Skidmore up in Saratoga. She put it even more succinctly because she talked about her freshman year, which was during, you know, it was late 2020 when she started yeah. going to school. She said it was, it's like the lost year. And as upperclassmen now, she said we could actually look at the incoming freshmen and they are woefully unprepared for the socialization requirements of being on campus. Some of them are struggling in school. So you're not kidding. There, there's been a definite loss, if, if not right. a loss of, it's not a loss of time per se, but it's a loss of experience that we would have had had things been normal, right? Yeah. No, I, and I was trying to, and then 2020 was... Well, 2021 was a blur. I mean, it was vaccines and then it was all this other stuff. 2020 and, and 2021, right? And then Delta came along, then Omicron came along. I remember, I've told the story before, I, it will, I will never forget standing on 6th Avenue around the corner from the Ziegfeld Theater in the freezing cold, waiting in front of a van that had one of those plastic meat curtain yeah. things to have someone in a hazmat suit stick a Q-tip through to go up my nose and I pulled down my mask to take a PCR test. I mean, you, you just, if I remember anything, it's that one day. <laughs> Did you hear how crazy it's still, you know, there's lots of protests going on in China. Did you hear what they do there to the, to the people? Absolute lockdown. And then put them in these kind of container villages with the whole mm -hmm. family until they say you can go. And I'm wondering whether, uh, I'm wondering what will happen with China. I was talking with somebody over the weekend over the Thanksgiving holiday. That's pretty 
I'm well-versed in foreign affairs. And he said, you know, there's only one superpower in the world. He goes, we think it's us, it's not. He said, it is China. And I challenged him a little bit about the military aspect. He goes, oh, it has nothing to do with military and weapons. He goes, we are superior of anybody with military and weapons. And we have a battle-tested force. He said, they're the superpower in that what we find out more and more is every time they send something to our country, no matter what it is, they find, he said, particular with technology, there's tiny chips. They could be the size of an eighth of a size of a piece of rice. He said, these chips are in everything and they're just constantly gathering information. He said, their cyber capability is unheard of. Really? And he said, and that's the fear. He said, so a kid's toy, he said, anything. He said, it's constant information going back to, to China to get into who we are, which is a lot of the strife, right? Let's put the country against one another. And I'm going to ruin you from within. So he, he had talked a lot about that sort of stuff. You know, and that reminds me why the administration and, and Congress is look, always looks at TikTok in a funny way. Because oh, it's, yeah, like it's it. Chinese-owned, right? Yeah. Same with Tesla. They, the Chinese, they, they're concerned with Tesla because Tesla has all that computer um, hardware in there. And the Chinese on the other side were afraid that we might be using the Tesla cars by gathering information. But well, remember the basketball? This was the Russians. Remember goofball Trump got the basketball from the Russians? That had a chip in it. <laughs> I, they didn't even need to give him a chip in, in hiding. They could have just oh, put he it was, on the, Yeah, he just ran his mouth, right? The Soviet but, ambassador, what, Lavrov, could have yeah. walked in with a, with a box and, and said... said it. <laughs> I'm recording everything. Okay. And with a little with a little Mission Impossible reel to reel. Can I get a Trump self, Tower in Moscow? Yeah, this tape will self-destruct. <laughs> well, look what I got for you. And it just starts turning. Lavrov loves me. Yeah. Well, he spoke very kindly about me. <laughs> he said some nice things. Whenever you read those interviews where, where he he's defending somebody, he'll be like, Well, they said some very nice yeah. things about me. Well, very okay. Nice man. That's nice. I, I like that. Yeah. So you had a good turkey day. You know, um, as we careen into the holidays, there are parts of the uh, this Christmas tradition stuff that I really do enjoy. I'm I'm letting myself enjoy Bob putting up the tree. He has a bunch of new houses for the train set. Um, and my favorite thing, actually, I have to tell you this: one of my favorite things about the holiday is when I get to give um, tips, uh, which is a very New York thing to our porters, our doormen, and the guys that are at our garage. Truly appreciative. And it's going to be a favorite thing for me. Isn't that a fortune? It used to be a lot more in my old building because we had a lot of porters and a lot of people on staff. It's very reasonable here. And, you know, I got to say that um, they're they're very appreciative. And the guys at the garage in particular, I love the team at our garage. They're really, really nice. The guys are always happy to see you. The car is there. You know, they love our new car, by the way. They, they, They like the new Taos. More than they like the auto truck wagon. <laughs> really? It's well, probably easier know. to get in and out of. Yeah, it is. And they're like, you know, it's, it's more like today's cars. So you're on the condo board wherever where you live. So I'm do on you, the co-op board, yeah. Or co-op board. So do they send out, do you guys send out a recommendation for Great question. Holidays? We send a list of, of names of the staff. And we also provide people with their the ability to um, contribute a tip via Venmo if someone doesn't want to, can't meet, meet someone in person. But we don't recommend anything. And I, in my old building, years and years, well, 25 years ago when I moved into our old apartment building, I, t- I asked, specifically asked our doorman, Jarvis, who I love, like, Jarvis, look, you don't have to tell me this, but I know there's a, there's, well, some people give us cookies, and we like that. 
you know, you could give us a, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's whatever you want. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's a number. <laughs> and so he actually told me, he said, you know, this is a, this is kind of a standard thing I've noticed over time. And that's what I locked into. And that's what it stayed at for years and years and years. And he was, they were all very appreciative of it. So, so you don't know though, on the, on the co-op board who gave and who didn't. In, ter in terms of residence? Yeah. No, we have no idea. No. Have no idea. So there could be somebody who just decides I'm not. Jehovah's Witness doesn't believe in anything. So and there are people gonna... that do that. And there are people, you know, I, I've, I've always just thought it was that time of year. And I've never begrudged it. I, I always right. think it's a, because they're here all the time. It's always a smile, you know. Right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I often wonder here about the garbage men and those sort of things, but. I puzzle about that. Uh, some people leave our postal people like a letter in the mailbox or something like for, for the postman or like a food item. I don't do that in general because I've never done that. <laughs> when you were a kid, did you give the post people, uh, the postman? A, you know, I, I, think, I don't remember. I don't remember either. And I know that they used to do it when I lived in, in Pennsylvania um, because the postman actually really did walk then. A lot, of, a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Down here, they, you know, there's not a lot of mail. And usually it's once in a while somebody drives up in a truck. And now it's a lot of junk mail, out. I bet you get. Oh, God. It's too much junk mail. I don't yeah. know why they still send out grocery flyers. I wish I it's, could just stop it. I, they go right in the garbage. Yeah. But it's apparently it's still cost effective and apparently it still works. They so, must. They're doing it, yeah. right? Yeah. Maybe we got to send out flyers. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I gave some of the guys at the garage uh, some focus group socks. And I used to just be John when I came in. Hey, John, how you doing? Now when I get the car, it's like, oh, it's John Nash. I, like the whole name. and Or sometimes I hear the focus group. <laughs> I did have somebody. It's funny you mentioned that because I had given some to my, uh, to nephew, my nephew. And uh, they wanted to know where they could buy them. Brian always says we should sell them because we don't have the games anymore. So to I don't give know, them maybe, away. Maybe we should sell them. They're great socks. I found all my old, the different colors, you know, because I had one pair of each. Right. And I was like, wow, that's the archive. So uh, anyway. Hey, if you're uh, new to the broadcast, we want to welcome you aboard. Uh, first, we open up with some conversation like we've been having, and we do in a segment called Caught Your Eye. And that's where Tim and I bring news items that interest each other to the table, followed by a visit with our partner, Deep Discount, uh, which we enjoy. Quick break, then we do the only show in the universe that does this, The Business Birthday, followed by some shop talk today, which is about not spending a lot of money <laughs> or not shopping as much. So without further ado, let's go caught, let's do Caught Our Eye. What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. So this, uh, this popped up on one of my news feeds. It's just, uh, it actually was the LGBTQ Nation news feed. And the headline is, Macy's Drops Partnership with Salvation Army. So, as you know, this time of year, we see the red bell ringers are out there. They're probably all, the all over Manhattan, yep. aren't they? They're in a lot of the grocery stores here. And they used to be, of course, when I lived in Pennsylvania in front of all of the, the different grocery stores. And I always avoided them, particularly even back from our SiriusXM days when people would call in and talk about how anti-LGBTQ they were um, in the various locales. And so this headline, I didn't know that they had them in front of Macy's. So this was uh, out, of, out of New York. They said, the department store Macy's has dropped a longstanding partnership with the Salvation Army. The charity has been accused of being anti-LGBTQ, but has made a dramatic turnaround over the past decade, allegedly. People say that they've done that, but it's still, there's still, um, the jury's still out as to whether they, they, uh, 
they're anti-LGBTQ or not. But then later on, I'm going to share a statement so you can make up your own decision. <laughs> they said that um, Macy said we reevaluated our cause and community work and made a significant commitment to driving societal change by empowering underrepresented youth in our community, a Macy spokesperson said. With this shift, we made the difficult decision not to continue our partnership with the Salvation Army this holiday season. So they said that they're, they're doing, um, Macy's is shifting to something called Mission Everyone, which uh, they hope to, um, by 2025, give up to uh, $5 billion. Wow. Aimed at creating a more equitable and sustainable future uh, through social purpose planning, they said. They're also involved with the Trevor Project, which we're all very familiar with. And so it goes on in the story to say that the Salvation Army has been boycotted by the LGBTQ community for quite some time, and it was based on a 2010 article yep. that happened in the Bolerico uh, Project. And they said that the evangelical church had this doctrine that was very anti, um, anti-gay. It was also, they said, racist and homophobic. So the Salvation Army came back, and they, were, they said they were very thankful for the support Macy's have given them over the years. And that uh, they are not a racist organization, and they're certainly not uh, not homophobic. Have they made mistakes? Yes. Uh, are they learning? Yes. And, and they said the best way to learn is continue discussion, and they need to increase their uh, diversity. And they said, uh, here's the quote, are we willing to discuss new ways to increase diversity? Absolutely. Uh, discussion is what reasonable people do. This came from, the, uh, from Kenneth uh, Hodder, who's the national commander of the Salvation Army. He said, but nothing, nothing will change the fundamental commitment that has characterized the Salvation Army for the past 156 years. I'll read that again. They're willing to listen. They're willing to learn. However, nothing, nothing will change the fundamental commitments that have characterized the Salvation Army for the past 156 years. Our mission is to still preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will meet the needs in the name without discrimination. The Salvation Army is not on the left. We're not on the right. We're where we, we're, we are where we've always been, following Jesus Christ. So, and okay. Scene. <laughs> and scene. So, if they were, Jesus himself, for, for many who know, has said zero about homosexuality, about a whole ton of things that the evangelical right gets to, mm-hmm. sp- they love to get spun up about. He was all about, you know, helping others, Help showing the poor, the and, disadvantaged. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm. So I thought this was interesting. They said they, they are denying that they um, discriminate, and maybe they don't. Um, or maybe they think they don't. <laughs> but they think they don't. But when it, but when it said, but, you know, nothing is going to change our commitment, and we, yeah. we're all about Jesus. So I thought, well, if you're all about Jesus, there you go. Anyway, so that's that. So I never put money in the little thing. Do you ever the put kettle? Money? You never yeah. hit the kettle? Nope. <laughs> I don't because it, it, it reminded me a little bit of the, uh, the other one that I have a problem with is United Way. You know, yes. most of these organizations collect money just to pay the staff. A lot oh, of United Way had a, for oh many years, gosh. I thought that was like 60 or 70% of their revenue went to administrative costs, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's crazy. And United Way used to get into companies, and, and companies would force you to deduct your, from your paycheck a, yep. a donation, right? Yeah, they tried to do that at Subaru, and thankfully, the uh, pushback, the folks there were like, eh. Well, so many people have their own charities that you want to support, or their own groups that they support, or their own uh, organizations oh, totally. Totally. that they want to support. I don't want to be forced to say I need to give money 
It's like companies that force you to give to a political action committee. You know, you got to give money to this political group because we sell widgets and widgets are important for us and you need to send to the widget political action committee. You know, I had a um, a trainer for several years who was a long distance runner as well, Chris, and uh, he and his brothers used to every year participate in a big event to celebrate or to support some uh, organization called Challenged Athletes. Ever heard of the right. Challenged Athletes? They were an organization that would provide equipment and prosthetics and all sorts of things for for wounded warriors, for athletes, or anybody who's became disabled or, and wanted to participate in sports at a certain level. And it was just very inspiring. And it was right. like, this is so easy to fall in love with this charity, right? <laughs> that's just yeah. one of the ones that I contribute to and because I, I, I just love what they do. Right, and I think that's great because it, it means somebody, it's somebody you know, or yep. it means something to you because it's somebody you know, so there's a personal connection. And so, you know, why force you to just say you need to give X amount of dollars to this, this other group? So there you go. Yeah. So what caught All right, well, my what caught my eye could not be further from this, um, and it was a little bit of a mystery when this popped up. But in a nutshell, I saw a article, and the article's headline screamed, "Thousands shocked after child's discovery on Toblerone bars." I have never seen this in fifty years. So I have up if you're watching YouTube, but I'll describe it. Many of you know Toblerone. It's a triangular box. Mm-hmm. It's uh, chocolate. I love the chocolate. I do love the chocolate too. Toblerone makes great chocolate. I li- like their dark chocolate. Um, and the logo has a mountain, kind of like like a Swiss Alps kind of mountain on the left, and then the Toblerone, or it's right above it. Well, here's the thing. Um, apparently, a young, a ten year old saw something in the logo in the mountain part of it. And once he saw it, he could never unsee it. And it's been there all the time. And there's a story behind it. But I did a little research online. And the story, this story literally came out two weeks ago. But it also came out in 2016. It also came out in 2011. So every couple of years, someone discovers what's going on with the Toblerone logo. So if you're watching, I'm going to show you and, and Tim will see. So in the logo itself, there is an image of a bear. And it's the it's if you look at the mountain that is the Toblerone part of the Toblerone lo- logo, and you look carefully at one of the larger white spaces, you will see that it's a silhouette of a bear. And in fact, that's been there all the time. And there's a story behind it. Turns out that the branding of the triangular treat is designed to feature a sneaky secret. The Swiss chocolate is an iconic brand, you know, blah da da da. But the logo, at first glance, appears to be a simple mountain, has a hidden image buried in it, a bear rearing up on its hind legs. If you can't spot it, then bear with us and look a little closer, (laughs) and you'll see that the white creature nearly takes up half the mountain. The hidden bear in the mountain was actually conceived to represent the story behind the chocolate's origin, having been created in 1908 in the Swiss capital of Bern. Overlooked by the Matterhorn Mountain, Theodore Tobler, Toblerone's creator, was allegedly inspired by the mountain's triangular shape and so created a chocolate bar in its image. And the hidden bear is a reference to the city of Bern, since a bear features on its coat of arms. <laughs> so I know it's a stupid little caught, caught my eye, but there we go. Do you, do you see it on the screen, Tim? Yeah, I I saw this. There was a there was another story that I saw similar to this, where they they went through a bunch of different um, brands and how they got their names and all the secret stuff in them. For instance, Amazon was one, FedEx. How how some of the logos are there, and if you look at them, then you can never not see them again. For instance, FedEx had an arrow 
Right. That's right. And and, uh, and Amazon, how uh, they came up with that name with with the the hook of the you know the Amazon logo with the the swish smile the thing. Swish. Yeah. So, do you know what the swish means at the bottom? No. So it goes from A to Z. <laughs> Amazon, you get anything from A to okay, Z. Okay, from A to Z. Okay. So and, and they use this Toblerone, but I thought there was something else with the mountain too. So that's interesting. The, the um, but yeah, this one had come up. I, I'd seen this as part of the uh, part of the article. There was a bunch of them that had hidden stuff in there. I always liked that. You had done some ads for us at Subaru with some hidden. Mm-hmm. What do they call them? Easter eggs in the ads. Coded. Yeah. Coded ads. Which, by the way, is a movie I'm in as a talking head for a minute and a half on Paramount Plus called Coded. About there for more than a minute and a half. I think it's a minute and a half, Tim. Maybe it's is a minute that 45. All? Yeah, it's... Oh, it felt like hours. <laughs> claim to Hollywood is... Yeah, thank you. You're very kind. Hey, you're up for an Academy Award. Award. I wanted Almost. to know if you're going to go out there, you know, you're walking around like a Seinfeld episode without all over town. I, I was bag, just a talking head, but the, the movie's about um, J.C. Leindecker, who used to do a lot of male fashion illustration and, and was himself gay, but he really knew how to get a guy but yeah so the toblerone logo was just i just marveled at that because especially when i started going backward realizing right. that every couple of years someone finds the bear in the matterhorn right that's funny i don't know why the kid would be upset about it oh no he was thrilled but oh he was but thrilled he, yeah, okay he, yeah, I, I, thrilled I, that yeah. but now and everybody's that. like once you see it you can't unsee it well who cares <laughs> you know it's the bear that's the point anyway folks uh Moving along here, as many of you know, Deep Discount is a partner of ours here on the Focus Group, and we would love you to shop with them by visiting our site, focusgroupradio.com, and clicking on the Deep Discount logo, which is a shark named Sharky. I used to do a lot more of that until I got a note from a listener saying, you know, you could you could park Sharky for a while. <laughs> Why was that? I don't know. But, you know, you listeners, they have points. You know, I thought, okay, maybe we're leaning into Sharky too much. We gave him a backseat. We even had puppets the whole bit. Um, This week is, of course, Cyber Monday and Cyber Week sale because it's after Black Friday. Tons of things. Everything's on sale at Deep Discount. If you can't find the great price there, you're not going to find it anywhere because they have everything under the sun. And if you're not into any streaming platforms, you need to be getting package media of your favorite shows because they'll always be available to you. So, Mr. Bennett, what did you pick as your uh, Cyber Week? Well, I was poking around Cyber Week and under the new release section, uh, this popped up to me, and I, I used to love this as a kid, and I had no idea now it's this old. So this is the Centennial Collection, meaning that they're celebrating their 100th year. The Little Rascals, the complete collection of our gang. It just came out last week. I love them. It came out November 15th, 2022. Uh, Jackie Cooper, Dickie Moore, Darla, Hood. And uh, this is the full collection on Blu-ray. And uh, they said they're celebrating the 100th anniversary of this iconic and beloved film series, The Little Rascals, the complete collection. And uh, they said it was enjoyed by millions of fans over the world. Came out in the 1920s, actually 1922. And they said what's different about this, if you've seen them before or there's uh, people have had videotapes or whatever in the past, they said what they've done here is uh, the restorations are magnificent, is what this review is. They said each short has been newly scanned from the original. 35 millimeter film. It's been remastered, uncut, and beautifully restored. Now you can see the little rascals like never before, with restoration so glorious it will be like watching the iconic shorts for the very first time. So there's six discs, um, and I just think it would be a fun thing to. Uh, I used to love the little rascals as a kid. I was you know, when they would build stuff. I wanted to build yep. forts like they did, or trucks like they did, and and they made eggs one time. I remember in the kitchen, they're cooking and. 
I think I see on the cover that the dog was the dog Petey. 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 Which um, was a pit bull. Which was a pit bull. American so Stafford. We all grew up watching. I loved watching Little Rascals. Now, here's the thing that interests me: the versions that we saw had been replayed, replayed, replayed. There was a fuzziness to them on yep. TV because it was television at the time. I'd be dead curious to see how these how these cleaned up, and I bet they I, I, and to how eerie it would be to almost have them look like they were shot yesterday in black and white, right? Well, that and also the sound because there was lots of like click. Yeah, obviously the technology a hundred years ago, it's it's we've gone light years uh, since then. So yeah, no, I think it would be a fun thing, fun thing to have. It it spans from uh, uh, the whole series, so it's uh, it'd be a great thing to have. And Complete the other collection. thing about it, yeah, the other thing about it, which was rare on TV. Was it was an interracial cast? Yes, and I was so for just going to happen, bring that up, right? Yeah. Nineteen twenty-two is unheard of, right? And also, it was a cast that came from different classes as well, right? Yeah. So not a, all the kids came from a different background. I look, I I'm, I think this would make a great gift, and I think anybody who grew up with this would appreciate it. So excellent pick. I picked a movie um, that I'd seen many years ago. I often recommend it. I've recommended it before on Deep Discount. But what really struck me this time was this is a brand new mastering of a movie called The Changeling, which starred uh, George C. Scott, directed by uh, Peter Medic. Now, um, the reason I love this is that this has about four extra hours of, of interviews and videos. And The Changeling is viewed as like a really great, a scary movie um utterly terrifying a ghost story guaranteed to freeze the blood these are what Ooh. some of the the reviews said at the time this masterpiece of terror and that's another review from peter medic who, who directed the ruling class comes to us on blu-ray 4k newly scanned like never before seen heard or experienced uh george c scott gives one of his greatest performances ever i'm in the camp of thinking he also gave a great performance in Patton, but anyway <laughs> As a grieving music professor tormented by a paranormal horror that includes the best seance in movie history, and that's what Newsweek called it. Trish Van Dever, um, The Hearse, two-time Oscar winner Melvin Douglas from The Tenant, and uh, Gene Marsh in Frenzy, Frenzy Fame, co-star in one of the most terrifying horror films of all time. Now scanned in 4K from the internegative with four and a half hours, I was wrong about that, four and a half hours of special features, including revealing new interviews with the director, Peter Medic. So um, the changeling, and it's one of those. I, it's psychological horror. You're, it's, this is not where people are getting blown up and limbs are being cut off. This is one of these really good psychological horror films, the kind I like that I don't see that much of anymore. Right. So that was my recommendation. So not so much gore, huh? No, no, a lot, a lot of stuff, a lot of just scary stuff that we loved as kids before all the gore hit. And uh, we have a new release this week, and that is a, a, a show called The Offer. Now this is. This has been recommended to me a number of times by the our friends over at marketing at Deep Discount. Lauren particularly loved this series. So this is about the making of The Godfather. All the behind the scenes things that went into pulling the cast together, the financing, wow. the you know obviously Francis Ford Coppola as the director. And I was skeptical of this at first, um, but Lauren was like, you have got to watch this. The performances are great. And um, it's supposed it's supposed to just be really really good. So I this is what came out, and I'm I'm sure she's thrilled we're <laughs> we're pushing it because 
she loved it and I, i've heard from others too so it's called the offer the offer that yeah, yeah i'll tell you what lauren watches she 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 must have her her uh her home theater going TVs. nonstop. I know she's 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 like someone who's crazy with uh, with the NFL or something. With now, all don't the stuff you think though that if you ever wanted a recommendation for if you want any recommendation for a movie or a TV series, and Lauren knows who you are, yeah. and has a sketch of who you are, you will get back a list that is pretty darn accurate for what you should be watching, right? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's amazing. So hey, head over to uh, head over to focusgroupradio.com. Click on the deep discount logo. As John said, it's Cyber Week, so there's all kinds of great sales going on. And of course, uh, you could start your holiday shopping early, get it to your house in time, or uh, send it directly uh, to, to them or to yourself, or to a loved one, <laughs> or to yourself, actually, as well, to, uh, to add to your collection. Uh, this week, I picked The Little Rascals. It was just released last week. It's the Complete Collection Centennial Edition. Aside from all of the, 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 the full series, there's also a couple of hours of actual rarities as well. There's a, there's a, a reel for the... Um, for auditions and and lots of uh, commentary uh, footage added added in there as well. John picked The Changeling, which he says is a great psychological thriller. And uh, the new release this week is The Offer on DVD. So again, be sure to head over to Deep Discounts or Shopping Away. Get there through focusgroupradio.com. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a business birthday and a shop talk to share with you. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Now back to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. Welcome back to The Focus Group. John Nash with Tim Bennett. And uh, without further ado, as many of you know, we're the only show in the universe that does this. And Mr. Bennett sometimes stays up late at night and <laughs> many days searching for the business birthday. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the focus group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. So today, November 30th, of course, today's all not, of course, but today is Bill Gates's birthday. But I thought that was too boring. Eh. Right. Yeah. Who, what are you going to say about him? I, I like you the one you picked better. <laughs> so I picked, uh, and it, it's spelled A-N-G-I-E-R, Angier, Biddle Duke, born November 30th, 1915. He died April 29th, 1995 at 79. And wait, Tim, wait. If you're watching on YouTube, I want you to know that Tim provides a couple of photos for our presentation on the video. And, and, <laughs> and like Tim always does, he shows a picture of a young, robust <laughs> Angier Biddle Duke next to his, I guess, seventy-year-old, seventy-nine-year-old version struggling I, on a pair of rollerblades. Yeah, I don't so think anyway. that's him. So I will, I will <laughs> confess that it looks like him. But so he rollerblading comes into into play here. Okay, <laughs> but and he was an old rollerblader. So yeah. I found an old man rollerblading. And so that's why. Job. Yeah. That's so that's him. why that's there. But he's very handsome there. So. Um, and I have him just listed as a bon vivant. So, yeah, um, but he's more than that. But I love the bon vivant part. So it says. Uh, so before. Um, so he was born at a time, and I'll just read this because I thought I'd do, do it better than any of us can say. He said it was the golden age of robber barons and debut tramps, an era defined by madcap Harrises, round the world honeymoons, private railroad cars, Latin gigolos, champagne sipping monkeys. Polo ponies, reckless scions, 
stork club uh, assassinations, Cole Porter ditties and patriarchs who kept pet <laughs> alligators, and those who kept pet alligators in their conservatories. So, um, so Angie or Ange, as he was known to his friends, Biddle Duke, now Biddle and Duke, two very famous names. Um, was part uh, born in New York City. His father was Angier Buchanan Duke, and his mother was Cordelia Drexel Biddle. So, if you can't get any more names than Duke Drexel and Biddle in terms of back to this American, um, an America that doesn't exist anymore, right? I mean, there's these very, very wealthy, uh, wealthy folks. So he was the uh, the heir to the American Tobacco Company fortune. His mother was a member of the Biddle family, which was a very prominent business and political cultural oh, affairs my, family in Philadelphia. We know, don't we know that as well? Yeah, well, Dorothy... Uh, Dory, Dory Biddle. Dory Biddle was part of the Biddle family, yes. So the, she, he was a... Uh, so Angie, or Duke, was um, you know, an heir to the fortune, but also married into... His dad married into the, the Drexel and Biddle families, which was finance and, and prominence and culture as well. So uh, he uh, went off to Yale, failed out, didn't, didn't like his studies at Yale, and became an editor of a ski magazine for a while until he joined the Special Forces uh, in the Air Force. And uh, he was discharged in 1945. He was a major in North Africa. And he came back to the U.S. and he started a diplomatic career. Now, of course, his name helped him. You don't you know, drop out of Yale and just come back from the Army and all of a sudden pick up a gig. He ends up uh, becoming the youngest ambassador in U.S. history during the Truman, uh, Truman administration, the U.S. ambassador to El Salvador. So while people thought he was really just a rich playboy when Truman appointed him as ambassador, they said he actually really was, uh, really was quite um, versed in foreign affairs and represented the country quite well and uh, was also smart about capitalism, which they thought was important at the time as the World, was, the world War had ended and he could, um, could represent the U- U.S. very well. They said he was, a, uh, he was originally Republican. He later became a Democrat. And uh, so as he was in the Foreign Service, he uh, was ambassador to El Salvador. He became ambassador to Spain. He became ambassador to Denmark and also ambassador to Morocco under all these different administrations. The other thing he also um, was most known for, he was a personal friend of John F. Kennedy. And he served as, as chief of protocol. And he really said, they said he, he got most, um, what's the word I'm looking for, most recognition. Mm. He was responsible for having to put together the funeral and all of the dignitaries that were coming in that short amount of time. And they said for him to do that, he, he really was in, the, was in the spotlight and uh, known for serving and uh, getting that together for November. It was November 25th, 1963 for the funeral. Wow. They said after he um, was, in, in, was an ambassador to a number of these places, uh, through both Democrats and Republicans at the time, he ended up uh, going to work in New York uh, City in a civics affair group, civics affairs department. But he, they said he was always very much a, um, oh, he had one son, uh, Angie or Pony Duke. Who was also Pony? Pony was his nickname. Pony. I'm I'm paying attention, so I'm like, (laughs) okay. So Pony was introduced to uh, this woman, Housen, Margaret Housen, in Alexandria, and she was going to secretarial school. But he convinced her to drive with him cross country. He's a very charming man, but he gave her gonorrhea, and uh, 
they said this was the very first Gloria Steinem got involved. And they said this was the first time a woman was actually able to successfully sue somebody for giving them a sexually transmitted disease. And uh, she won a, an award of $1.3 million, but the Wyoming Supreme Court turned it over. She ended up with no money. But she said at least, you know, it was on record that... Uh, that was, something happened. It was right. known that, that uh, Pony gave her gonorrhea. <laughs> so... Um, Jeez Louise, right? So Angier, back to Angier, who's married three different times. Um, and he died and, and, uh, he died rollerblading. <laughs> so he was in, in, uh, he was in Southampton, Long Island. He is 79 years old. His wife was going off to the A and A and P and, and, uh, he said, well, I'm going to go rollerblade. She said, well, you better oh, that's be careful. Why you have the guy on the rollerblade. Right. And they okay. were supposed to, they were supposed to go to dinner or something. She said, four o'clock happens, nothing. She's still waiting to hear from him. Well, apparently he fell and then Got hit and went through the windshield of a car. It was Ooh. killed. So, uh, yeah, it says uh, his widow, Robin Chandler Duke, tearfully recounted the details of her husband's death. She said he'd, she had gone shopping at the Southampton A&P when Angie, an avid skier, had taken up inline skating as a way to rehabilitate his knee, wanted to go rollerblading. And she said uh, he was, she was waiting and waiting and, you know, past the dinner hour. Then somebody called and said that he had evidently gone through the windshield of the car, broke his neck. She choked back tears, she said, but he did die instantly, uh, even, even, even though they were there to celebrate Damn. their 33rd wedding anniversary. That's horrible. So they that said up, really, up and down Park Avenue. I know Park you don't make this up. I know, I know up and down up. Park Avenue. They said the flags at all the private clubs and everything flew at, wow. flew at half staff, and they, you know, because he was such a, such a fixture on the social scene. Uh, he also helped, um, he also helped uh, uh, Jackie O renovate the Blair House during the Kennedy administration. They said he really had a wicked personality, was, had a flair. Of course, if you're an heir to a bazillion dollars, of course you can be very kind of yes. bon vivant, right? So they said he, this one woman, I just because just I loved her name, so I had to read this for you. Friends say he possessed a fatal charm. The first debutante party I ever went to was in Tuxedo Park in New York. Social leader, Otzi Charles, recalled. <laughs> Otzi. Can you make that up? No. Right. The All first these pony Oatsy. Pony Oatsy. The, the first debutante party I ever went to was in Tuxedo Park in New York. Social uh, leader Oatsy Charles recalled from her Newport home. I sat next to Angie. He was wearing his pink hunting coat. I loved him then, and I loved him ever since. He was everything. Wow. So, okay. But Oatsy, I was wondering, you know, she probably related to toasted oats. I don't know. Oatmeal. How do you get Oatsy Pony? You and I have no nicknames. We don't, do we? No. And I, I'd like to be Oatsy or Pony or... Yeah, no, no, Tim. This is something that's really fascinating. I mean, I, my, the closest I've ever had a nickname in high school and even college was as Nash, my last name. Nash. Yeah, I got Bennett all the time, Bennett. Or people so why, would just say Tim Bennett. That that we, Tim Bennett. Tim Bennett. My granddad used to say that a... Um, a nickname was a sign of like deep affection. So how do we just get our Nash and Bennett names? Well, my dad, you know, um, we just celebrated uh, my dad over Thanksgiving, but his, his, na his given name was Glenn. His, he was named after his father, which was Glendon, but we called him okay. Glenn Douglas. Yeah. But his, since he was a little kid, because he was a junior, his name was Sonny, S-O-N-N-Y. They called him Sonny. So it was Sonny Bennett. And we always knew at home, if somebody called on the phone and they asked for Glenn, we knew, eh, it's not important. They don't know who he is. But if they asked for Sonny, we knew ah, that okay. ah, that's somebody that's in the inner circle. That's a, that's a, if you call so, him Glenn, you're an outsider. 
Marianne's dad. Alfie. Just Alf. So, but his but his real name was Alfio. So people at town hall would maybe call him Alfio, or, or, or is he Al. just known as Alfie or Al? Alfie or Al. Right. Al Candido. Okay. Well, you know, they, so he was so it was interesting with Mister Candido. I remember him saying this. He was different in that he had a very um, ethnic name, right sounding name, Alfio yes, Candido. He so he wanted to a lot of people. That's why there were so many. When you look at kids from the '60s, from immigrants, from grandparents that came over. It was John, Tim, Michael, Eric, David. You know, we were very, you can tell when people were born by their name, Jennifer, Lori. The names were very much um, traditional names and very English uh, plain names, I guess. Unlike now where the names are far more flourished, flourished, I guess. So I don't know where you're wow. from that tangent. Wow. But I think we should have nicknames. And maybe it's too late. I had one in college. I really don't want to repeat it. It was politically incorrect. But, um... <laughs> I don't know if it was politically incorrect, but I used to fall a lot. So um, they used to call me. They they tried using Tripper, that never stuck. Mm. But they they used uh, another name for somebody who would be physically disabled if you were and if you had oh, a problem I, walking. Yeah, no, and that would be uncorrect. So the closest I've come to a nickname was college freshman year. Our dorm used to put on a dorm show that everybody around campus used to come watch it, and it, like we did a. Gre- performance of Greece, and then I did a comedy routine. I did a Mister Rogers sketch with uh, with Paul and Greg. For many years, at least until a couple graduating classes, I would be at, somewhere on campus, and someone would go, "Hey, Mister Rogers," <laughs> <laughs> or Mister Bill, You'd be Mr. That's, Rogers. but or yeah, but that's the closest. And I have to think about the nickname thing because I don't remember really having one. Right? Yeah, I, I was in a fraternity, and there were a lot of Greek names where we do these rituals. And um, this friend of mine, Damien, we gave each other, because a lot of the names had an Eus at the end. So I would call him Damius. He would call me Tamius. But that yeah. was just a, you know, little pet names that never went anywhere. But yeah, no, I never had a, I never had a nickname. I'm, I'm kind of upset about it now. I'd like Oatsy. Oatsy, Bootsy, Pony. I don't know what you could be. What's your middle name? Thomas. Well, actually. And I'm Joseph, right? Again, you do you. So you used to be T, like I know Marianne's T-J, mom used J-T. to call you J, me JT, you TJ, JT, TJ. You're, yeah, yeah, but but there, I see. Yeah, TJ never oh. stuck. JT never stuck. Oatsy's different. Nothing right? stuck. Oatsy, Oatsy Nash. We got to come up with a name. We got to come up. Well, it's too late. I think we're too old for nicknames. Don't you? <laughs> I think you know. No, you're never too old for a nickname. I'm I would gonna... almost open it up to the audience to say, if you think we should have nicknames, which can you imagine what will come in? But uh. um, I'm almost afraid because the last comment that we got in about um, me laughing on the microphone was was scary almost, and it made me change my my performance a bit. No, so, I, oh, you you need you need you just need to be you, John. Don't worry about anybody says. Remember, they well, say do not read the reviews. If, if we read the reviews, we'd have been off 15 years ago. If someone's having a bad <laughs> audio experience, you know, I I want them to have a better one. All right, and how much did we get? How much did we use to get in trouble for calling the the girls girls at uh, Sirius XM? Constantly, Come on, and, girls. And you know what? And even though they were in the booth on the mic and they would scream into the mic, we don't mind. We're 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 here. We yeah, like. How are you girls, girls doing today? We're doing great. Yeah, yeah. Katie no, we and, got in trouble. Katie and Sweet Caroline and oh, oh the days and uh, Funky Medina, Funky Cole Medina, loved her. Uh, yeah, she was and, the best you know, on the phone boy. She and Shaq. How about Shaq, Shaq with a, that voice? Oh. Shaq's sexy voice. People would Shaq, well, Shaq could hop on and be on the show with oh us. Oh, my gosh. But, but we had great uh, people we on. We were lucky. 
Yeah. And and I think of some of the girls, well, sorry, I don't mean to be insulting, but the girls. Our, our, yeah. our female associates, the many girls. of them went in, nursing was one big thing. Yeah. Many of them, some of them have beautiful families now. I mean, just super great people. All right, moving along, we have a quick shop talk. And I say quick because we can move through. This is something that sang to me because this is, well, Tim, you you, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I well, this um, is you all over. You could have written that. And basically, it's a uh, an article that came to me from, I think it might have been NPR or, or Vox, uh, the case for buying less and how to actually do it. So buying fewer unnecessary items is a good for the planet thing. It's good for your wallet. And it's good for your brain. I read the whole article. This could be summed up into a series of rules or steps that you want to abide by when it comes to consuming. And um, for me... I'll just put it to you this way. I just got three new shirts. It was one of these deals from Charles Turret, three for $99. That's usually right. when I buy things. <laughs> the minute I got them, I panicked because I now need to get rid of four or five shirts. I can't, you know. I, now, I'm just were, they, not gonna... were they three of the same color or same no, style? No, or... there was a, a blue one with a diamond pattern. There's right. a... Um, a green and like a, a, a striped shirt. And then a, 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 I had it, I had used to have this purple and white check shirt years ago. It got damaged. So I kind of replaced that, but no, it's, it complements the wardrobe, but I can't keep. So I'm, the reason I'm asking, so if you got rid of something, would you replace a stripe with a stripe or a pattern yes. with a pattern? Or You're a solid absolutely with a right, Tim. Okay. And that's something I discovered a while ago. So I get tired of a certain shirt, but I might replace it with a similar style, like a plaid or, you know, something like that. Um, Bob laughs. He was in the bedroom last night. We were, I was I was unpacking these shirts, and I'm like, I panicked. I'm like, I have to get rid of three or four shirts to have the hangers. And he just shook his head. He goes, "You got five empty hangers?" Right? I'm like, "No, those are <laughs> those are for other things." But in a nutshell, this comes down to want versus need. And and many of us, whether we know it or not, are driven by the impulse of want as opposed to actually need. And when you right. really get it down to need, what do you really need, right? I mean, we do love shopping. We like buying ourselves things, and I'm not going to discount that. But there's a couple rules they have in here about um, how to proceed with maybe buying less, right? Well, I laughed when um, I got dressed today, because if you're watching on the video, I've got this plaid shirt on, which I, I laughed because this would have been long gone if you had it. It's 26 years old. And uh, I bought it in Boston. I still remember I bought it in Boston on a trip when I went with our, our friend Scott and to see Doug and Doug Spencer. Yep. And uh, I bought this shirt at the, the Ralph uh, Polo store up there. And I, I uh, but I know that store and I know that and that was I know exactly where you went to get this. Right. Yeah. And I wear it now. I don't wear it all the time, but I wear it probably three or four times in the winter. But by reading this. Um, by going through this here, I think it would have, it might have survived, it might not have survived. Because one of the things she says is, which I thought was smart with clothes in particular, was to put all your hangers um, the opposite way. Yes. And then when you do use something, you put the hanger back, you hang it back the right way. And then everything that's been turned that's not been turned means you haven't worn it in a year and you need to get rid of it or you could get rid of it, which I thought that was, was smart. That was particularly clever, huh? Yeah. I thought that was a real smart one because I do have, and having just moved uh, recently, I I got rid of a lot, but I did bring stuff that I've not worn yet here, and I'm wondering, do I need to keep it? You'd say no. You'd have got. You probably wouldn't even brought it down. You probably wouldn't have made the trip. Tim, I have, I have such 
I almost think I have a problem. Well, you have disa- well I, I, no, I won't disagree. Because, I, <laughs> you know, my sister sent me a book for my birthday that I do want to read. It, it reminds me of that episode of Absolutely Fabulous where Eddie and Adina go to that woman's house that's all white. Everything's white. <laughs> and they bring a bottle of wine and the hostess has no idea where to put it. And she's walking around. She'd go in this corner here because everything had a place, right? That's exactly how I feel about this this book that I just got. And I just ordered a paperback that I'm reading. And I'm like, where is this going to go? I have to clean off the bookshelf. I have to make room. You could almost become crazy with it. Um, but I love the hanger thing. So let's go through a couple other things here. So um, one, of the, one of the things that was right in the middle or the beginning of this was choose items you need for the long haul. So when you're going shopping and you need to buy something, choose things that are going to be with you for a long time. The shirt that Tim's wearing today that he had that has a special memory attached to it that could be long haul. I have no problem with that, right? Well, it's certainly good quality. Yeah. And and if it was a junky, crappy shirt, and nobody would probably tell you that it's twenty six years old. But if it uh, if it was not made well yet, it'd probably go away. I wondered about this though when it said, for instance, if there was a seasonal thing. So if you were going, particularly for women, I, I always I always uh, feel sorry for women a lot of times because. Men can get away with wearing a blue suit for three days in a row, just change the shirt. But a woman, you know, they've got to constantly change their wardrobe. And they talked about this special occasion stuff, right? About how if you bought something, you probably shouldn't. Um, you need to get more out of it than just one use. Was that <laughs> Tim? Do you happen to remember one of our Christmas parties at Sirius? I was obsessed with buying a oh, vest. vest. Yes. And I went to, like, I forget what it was, I, I, Paul Stewart. It was like an $800 vest. Do you know, I think I've worn it twice in my life. I look at that vest and I cringe because I broke every rule of the book to have that. But I enjoyed it the day I wore it, right? Right. It says, when you purchase something for an occasion or a specific one-time use, it can quickly turn into clutter. I like to invest in staple items that meant uh, that are meant to last a long, a long time. But that vest would last for a long time. I'm sure you could wear it now and it'd be fine. Mm, maybe a button would pop off, but... No, but would you, would you wear it again? I've worn it. Yeah, and yeah. I, I've worn it. And Bob finally put me wise one day. He said, you could wear that a lot more than you do if you yeah. change the shirt underneath it. So I, I, I do wear it for holiday stuff. Um, I said earlier when we were talking about this and setting it up, change your buying language when it comes to want versus need. Uh, I can guarantee that most of us have all the jeans and jackets that we need. Instead, we should channel our preschool vocabulary lessons that taught us to distinguish between wants and needs. I want a new pair of jeans. I want a new jacket. Once you change your language, the item ceases to have as much power over you. It stops being a necessity and starts being a craving. So if you, do you need it or do you want it? And um, yeah, so that, that's one rule there, right? Right, and that one rolls right into the other one, which is build in a time to curb your impulse purchase. I, so I was... So in other words, if you said I want to, John says the want and need thing, but if you say, oh, I want a, a new sweater or something, and then you think about it, and maybe you wait a day or you don't make such an impulse purchase on an appliance or a gadget or something, you might say, you know what, I can make do or I can make something else do or I can, I can figure it out. I was with my mom over the weekend and there was a, we were in a store and there was this great sweater. I was like, oh my God, I love this. And I I couldn't decide between the blue and the maroon, and I liked them both, and it was a great price. And I'm holding them up, and no, this one might fit. And my mother's looking at me, and she's like, what's wrong? And I said, well, I already have a bunch of sweaters. She's like, put them back. <laughs> she said, you don't need them. Yeah, your mom. But I thought, well, this would look nice with, you know, and it's something mm-hmm. different. I, I have these sweaters that I wear all the time, and 
And she was right. I didn't need them. So Look, I'm not going to soft pedal this. This takes a lot of fun out of being yeah. a consumer. This takes almost all the fun out because if everything you buy is something you need as opposed to... But going to this, this rule for a minute, my granddad, when we were kids, he would take us to the store, the toy store, Child World or something like that, right? And we would go crazy. And then yeah. he would impose the 24-hour rule. Now, my grandparents would visit us for a couple of weeks at a time. So we would go to the store. I would find at least five things I had to have. And he'd be like, okay, Johnny, here's the deal. We're going to come back tomorrow and we're going to get one thing. So it's the one thing you really want. And so do you know that after 24 hours, I would forget about at least four of the items, but have a fixation on one thing. And that's wow. the boy that I would get. And I would ultimately enjoy it a great deal. So that was smart rule. Yeah. That was smart. Granddad, my mom's dad, um, know what items you already have. Simple Simon, right? This is pretty straightforward stuff. It's like what Tim was just talking about with his mom. Okay, you have five sweaters. You have a couple different colors. Yeah. Do you really need the sixth or the seventh? No. Eh, no, you know, kind of, yeah. And that's, I think that rule's pretty much summed up right there, right? Yeah. And then the last one was take a break to assess your shopping habits. And this woman put together, one of these uh, financial folks put together a no-spend year. She said she saved up to $16,000 which I thought was incredible Wow! by not, by not shop, by, by not spending. And, and she said a lot of times if she felt she needed or wanted something, she'd either a ask a friend if they had it and she could borrow it. Or did she have something else she could repurpose? Could she go to a secondhand store and find something? Um, for instance, if you wanted a crock pot rather than going to buy a new crock, I'm just making this borrowing up. that. Yeah. But you either borrow it or you can go to a secondhand store and probably get one for three bucks. And, uh, mm -hmm. or repurpose, uh, repurposing something that, uh, and have it make do. But they said that, um, she wound up saving 16,000 thousand bucks, which is, uh, no, no small chunk of change. You probably have saved a lot by that because, uh, again, you, you don't, um, you're not the type you could travel somewhere and just buy something. And you've always been very good about that. You know, I will say this, I, some of my habits are not cheap. And what I mean by that is, uh, and you and I talk about this frequently when you were doing more rowing, our chosen sports, like Tim Rose and I, I'm a cyclist, they're not cheap. When I buy a new jersey or I have right. to buy some clothing or a repair on the bike could be a couple hundred bucks. It's, it's not as bad as a car, but it makes me pause because it's like, oh, if I really want to do this sport, a couple of years ago, I bought an indoor trainer that I could hook my, hook my bike up to. It's the best thing for the winter. I love it. Did you but hook it I up yet, by the way? Uh, this I have to I have to hook it up this week and calibrate it. Um, but I regretted the purchase for about three months because I just thought, how could I have spent this eight hundred dollars or whatever it was? And now I can't really live without it during the winter. So I I'm just wired a different way. I when I was but Tim honestly when I was younger. And, and out of college, I would buy anything I wanted. I, like we would go to Forbidden Planet, like a science fiction store, and Greg and I would see a, a model of the robot from the movie Metropolis. We have to have that. Now, I don't know why. We would buy these like a $100 thing, would sit on a shelf for a while, and then you forget about it. But right. that's what you do when you're young, right? Yeah. No, I've, I've, I've always known you to be pretty smart with your money, but that's because you earned it. So, <laughs> and I think it's different when you earn it sometimes, right? Yeah, and and you're not you're not Angie or Duke Biddle Biddle Duke, which we, you were given all the coins. or Pony or Oatsy or Pony or Oatsy. <laughs> I think you could be Pony. I could be Pony. Pony Nash, Oatsy Bennett, and Pony Nash. That'll be our. <sighs> maybe we'll do a drag show. 
Oatsy and Pony Show. <laughs> on, on the horse front, I think I've told you this before. We went to Saratoga once years ago, and I always bet, I'll bet two or three bucks on a name. And the name that I picked that day for a horse race was called, the horse was named Bigger is Better. <laughs> and as the horses took off and they came around the turn, the announcer starts saying, it's bigger is better. It's bigger is better by a length. And everybody in the stands starts standing up with their tickets, screaming, bigger, bigger is, better. is better. Oh my God, that would be a great, Great the film. horse finishes, it wins, it crosses the finish line. <laughs> Bob's mother's appalled. Bob's appalled. I'm laughing, and I said, the owner of that horse knew what they were doing, right? <laughs> Bigger is better. <laughs> so maybe that's my nickname. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. Yeah. I've not heard that. It's a good one, right? <laughs> you always have new stories, Mr. Nash. There you go. Well, that's what keeps it fresh. Yeah. So, hey, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you spending time with us. And... uh you know, you can go to focusgroupradio.com, learn all about us, find all of our shows there, including our Tuesday podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned, and our whole archive of programming is there. And of course, we're also on YouTube or wherever you stream and or find your, your podcasts or your, your media. We want to thank our friends while you're at focusgroupradio.com. You can click on the deep discount logo. It's their Cyber Week sale. And of course, it's a great, uh, great time to start some of your holiday shopping if you do that. I picked this week The Little Rascals, which is a complete collection, Centennial Edition. John picked a, uh, a, a thriller, The Challenging, uh, The Changeling. Changeling, a scary movie. The Changeling, scary movie. And the, um, the new release this year, and uh, or I'm sorry, the new, new release this week is The Offer, which um, talks about the making of The Godfather. I wanted to ask you when you t talked about that, was there, um, is it, is it uh, fictionalized or is it... Um, I think it's based on an actual book, which was the historical account of how this all came together. Because it wasn't like a magic thing; it didn't just happen. I mean, it, a lot of work went into getting the, right. the Godfather made. You know, so cool. So pick that up at uh, at deep discount. We want to thank you all again for joining us, and be safe this holiday season. I will tell you, driving down uh, through New England and the Mid Atlantic, I can't tell you how many morons were on their phones weaving all over the roads. So don't text and drive. Arrive alive. It's uh, it's serious. Be careful out there. Have a good week. Take care. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.